0: You're listening to Good Lad Unscripted with your host. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to another episode of Good Lad Unscripted the podcast. I usually have my gorgeous supermodel, fitness supermodel wife with me today. I uh, I thought I'd bump it up a little bit, and uh, <laughs> I have my it bumped it right? My uh, my equally gorgeous, perhaps, Uncle Leonard here. Like he said, he's got a great Face for radio. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, is Terry has more
1: hair than me, but it's on his face.
0: <laughs> We're both bald, both have beards. Um, anyway, my, my uncle Leonard is from, uh, you know, I was born and raised in a place called Saskatchewan in Canada. And if you don't know where that is, it's right above Montana. Right. And uh, it's a, a bitterly cold place. Sometimes. Sometimes it's very, way too much.
1: <laughs> it's very beautiful there Sometimes. The nice thing about the cold is we don't have mosquitoes then.
0: Right. In the summertime when it's nice, we do have mosquitoes. We but, but we're from But uh, we're from farming communities, right? I was right. born in a place called Tisdale, Saskatchewan, and uh, Leonard now lives in a place called Melfort, Saskatchewan, which is 24 miles away. And was born there, yeah. You were born in Melfort.
1: Yeah, originally, right? yeah. A long time ago, back when right, when there was little pups running around. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's a great, great area. It's, uh, like you say, it's a farming community, very very wealthy farmland, very wealthy farmers, and uh, that's our main industry. We do have a few other things around, but farming's the big thing. That's and
0: the breadbasket of Canada. Yes, And it for is. a lot of other countries yeah. in the world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's an awesome place. I, I, I loved growing up there. I don't regret being from there. I... Right now, for me, I live down here and this is where I want to be. But I, I now love going back there.
1: I, I think I think the biggest thing is a great place to grow up. Yeah. Like I really think that. And for a lot of us, uh, for a lot of people rather, uh, to, to get ahead, if you really want to get ahead, unless you're a big farmer, you uh, you have to go away, yeah. And uh, lots of people go away. I was away for a few years and came back, and 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 obviously made my life there with my with my family and stuff. And um, you know, as far as as far as the rest of it, you know, I'm content there. Um, but I get to come south when I want to too. So that's now
0: it. I I met you when I was just a little little guy, right? How old was I? Do
1: you remember? You you were probably around around five. five. Maybe I I probably met you before that, but. Yeah. I actually had the privilege of coming to live with you uh, for a while when uh, my life wasn't as, as sweet as things should be either. But, uh, that was when you were about five, but, uh, I, I mean, I've known you ever since you were born. So.
0: Yeah. But yeah. I, but I remember, I remember just being in love with Leonard. I remember Leonard and that was just the happiest word in the world. And, and I remember when I, I, you know, very foggy recollection, but I just remember I was just in love with Leonard.
1: So. I think the biggest thing was, was I had time to spend with you and, uh, and I think for any kid, yeah. you know, as they're growing up,
0: time is important. And ah, come on, Leonard. You're a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> well. I don't remember anybody else from that era, okay? So it's just you. But uh, And then we reconnected. You actually came and found me, how long ago? That was about five years ago? Five or
1: six years ago, yeah, uh, on one of my trips. And um, uh, I had tried before, but wasn't successful. And... and uh, you know, it's been good. It's been yeah. really good. It was good to get together, and, and you know, we've been able since then to spend, uh, you know, fleeting moments, uh, half a day here, a day <laughs> yeah. here, or whatever, but it's been good.
0: It's well, been now great. with my work schedule a little bit different, now that I'm newly retired, I, hopefully we can spend more time. Leonard comes down here. Uh, the winters in Canada get bitterly cold, and, and, and unless you, what is it? What's the joke? Um, the only thing that comes from Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan is horrors and hockey players. Yeah, and the guy yeah. says, "My wife's from Saskatchewan." He said, "Oh, well, what team does he does she play for?"
1: Yeah, that's that's the old adage. <laughs> I thought that was only for Flin Flon, Manitoba. But oh, maybe I, it was. Yeah, but <laughs> they have a great hockey. Program. For
0: Flin Flon, Flin Flon listeners out there. <laughs>
1: no, it's uh, no. Actually, it's uh, it is bitterly cold. And uh, about uh, eight years ago, I started coming south. Yeah and so uh, you
0: park in arizona in phoenix
1: right yes i do in in goodyear actually in a in a park there and and it's been very good there there's lots of things that i like to do um i don't dislike the cold but as i get older i start to like the warm better right and uh that's that's my main reason for going down and um circumstances are, are that uh, I'll con- you know, if, if everything works out, I'll, be, I'll continue to go down for a lot of years yet.
0: I want to talk a little bit about growing up in Saskatchewan. Now, I'm 59. You're a little bit older. I'm 68. Yeah, you're 68. So, you know, we go back and, and you know, being in the U.S., I think we're, especially anybody living in an urban area, <clears throat> I think they kind of don't... I, Canada's a younger country than the United States is. And so... Mm-hmm in a lot of ways, when you were growing up, when, when my grandparents grew up, I mean, my, my grand, my great grandparents settled the land. Uh, right. Uh, in Kelvington. Um, you know, the, I mean, we're not that far from that.
1: Yeah. My, my grandfather came from Sweden. Yeah. To Minnesota and then came north to, to around Melfort because yeah. uh, they were giving land, basically giving it away. Right. So he came up and all there was, was land. That right. That was what there was. And, and so that's how far uh, yeah. we
0: are removed from that right. from actual settlers, you know, and it's only a generation or two, right? Yeah. And so well, a couple generations but but it's a different kind of life. So going back to when you were a kid growing up in Malford, what was it just what was it like for you? i I know you had a rough life
1: yeah, but you didn't know any better as far as what it was like. We had nothing. we had absolutely nothing. We mm. had. Um, my mom and, and and my my stepdad were had had no money. Um, my stepdad was a was a veteran. Uh, mom was a homemaker and and she had worked uh, cooking and cooking crews and stuff. But we we didn't have anything. But we cooking didn't,
0: crews. What's a cooking?
1: Oh, crew? she was she was a cook for uh, my stepdad when when they first met. Where was, was working for a telephone company where they installed telephone lines right. in rural areas, and mom was the cook. And in the cookhouse. And so basically, for the first few years, I lived in a cook shack and um, I'm cook for the crew. That's, that's sort
0: of what we had. And see, that's it. That's going back to that whole primitive thing. I mean, this is, or not primitive, I guess. Pretty much primitive. Yeah, primitive, yeah. yeah. No I phones. Mean, I mean, that's just is No phones. They're yeah. putting in, they're actually putting in virgin phone lines. It's not like they're replacing phone lines that no. have been there for years.
1: No, they, it was all, you put in everything. And uh, that was in the days when, uh, it was one ring, uh, right. one long, two short, and <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> party lines, yeah, and party lines where every time somebody clicked in to listen, you, yeah. the phone got weaker. But no, and that was that was our life for uh, until I started going to school. That mm-hmm. was that was what we did. Wow. And uh, as I said, uh, that was probably a better life than afterwards when I started going to school when we we lived in a home where you know we didn't have, we just didn't have. We I didn't know any better. but mm-hmm. We didn't have. I mean we barely had food and uh you know and and that in itself is a tough life
0: but was there no welfare back then no no i think people I, take know, for granted now uh, welfare i mean nobody really i mean yes people go hungry in this country there's no question but but there's so many safety nets
1: yeah well we did not you come have,
0: from a time when their safety nets didn't exist
1: well if they did we didn't know about them because you know you're in rural saskatchewan and and uh I don't know. Maybe it was pride too. I don't know. I I, I have no idea. I was so young then. But um, but we survived. I mean, mum mom, mom, mom was hardy. I mean, she grew up on the farm and and she knew how to make do with with less. And uh, and she definitely did. And
0: uh, how know, about I, clothes? Did you did you buy them or make them?
1: No. Uh, I, I I got a lot of hand me downs. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of them. Like I, I, it's funny. I, I was watching kids nowadays, and and I see them wearing pants with holes in them. Okay. <laughs> Like I, I was in style back then. I had pants with holes in them. You're the like, hippest dude in I town. I was, and I didn't even know it. And, and, and I'm going, wow, you know, how, how things have changed. Now you pay
0: like 250 bucks for a pair of those. Yeah.
1: And I had lots you of You would have been a millionaire like I was good. I, I used to like Christmas because sometimes I used to get new clothes sometimes, but not often.
0: Right. Uh, I
1: wasn't one of the kids that went to the first day of school with new clothes. I, we right. We did you know, things were different for sure. Did you get picked on? Um. Not a lot, um, because I was tough, mm-hmm. and uh I was one of the kids people were a little bit worried about they weren't quite sure what I might do
0: <laughs> don't, don't bug that guy
1: yeah well you it was it was in those days, you had to be strong mm-hmm. you know uh, the strong survived and
0: uh and it's not just emotionally strong it's no, not not the meme kind of shit n- we say no, just it's actually physically strong and tough, right
1: It's like the story about. If somebody pushes you, you better push back or they will continue to push you. Right. You know, bullying. I mean, that's a big thing nowadays. But uh, in those days, you either looked after yourself or, yeah, you, you were the 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 punching local bag. punching bag. And, uh, I, yeah, that was never me. I, uh, right. I wasn't real good at that. I wasn't <laughs> good at the receiving part at all. I, I was a giver. I like to give.
0: And this is only funny because I'm from Saskatchewan too. I know there's probably people mortified out there like. Yeah. But that's the thing. I mean, then, I mean, even me growing up in, you know, I was born in 59. I grew up in the early 60s and we lived in uh, all over rural Saskatchewan and then ended up in a place called Prince Albert for a long time. But even then, I mean, that was, I remember that being, it was called the gateway to the north and all the trappers would bring their furs down to Prince Albert and they would trade them. They would trap in the winter time and they'd, bring their dog teams, literally bring dog teams down the river and they would go to the Hudson Bay company and they would trade their furs. That used to be a place that we lived at one point in time that was just down the back alley from me. You could hear them or smell them, smell the hides, right? Yeah. Because they tan the hides there.
1: Yeah. And and it's funny because they still have, they still have a trading place there where you can bring furs to. Really? Yeah. 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 It's not as busy as it used to be, obviously, but uh, you know, and Prince Albert being at at that time a, a fairly small city, but you know, a rough... Uh, rough bunch n- there. Yeah, northern type city. I mean... Kind of know, an outpost
0: that well, it's a everybody sort of a ends up at. Lots of drinking and fighting. Yeah, and
1: lots of and lots of, uh, uh, of people coming through going to the north, you know, and that right. was sort of the last big spot before you went north. And so that's where, when they came in, they that's where the steam got let off. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so consequently, that was, that was things that happened there that, you know, a lot of other communities don't have to relate to.
0: Right. Kind of fun. Uh, it, it seems like almost fantastic, like it was uh, something you'd see in a movie. But that was that was the way you grew up, and that's the way I grew up,
1: right? Well, yeah, and and we had talked a little bit earlier about you know whether you
0: change your life when you're growing up, and right, you know that I, was going to be one of my next questions. You yeah, know, would, mean, would I you change any of that? Would well, you you see what kids have got now, and would you want to have you know the iPhones and the the PlayStations, and now I'm going to start on like an old fart now. But, you know, all that stuff, you know, getting driven to school, you know. I remember walking, literally I was one of those guys that had to walk two miles to high school from from my house to the edge of the high school, was was two miles. Right. And I walked that every day. You know, and,
1: and the thing is, I would never want my kids to go through, as, as we all do, what I had to go through to, right. to, to live, to survive. But that's what makes you what you are today. Okay, so you either embrace it yep. and adapt or you become something else.
0: you got to know other kids, though, that you grew up with. I mean, you told me a story, uh, if you don't mind talking about this, when you were a young guy, 14 years old, you had to go, um, I don't know what they call it now. What would you call that now? Do they even have anything like that now? But you were not with your family, you went to this. Well, it was welfare. It was social services. Is what,
1: is what it was, and... Uh, that was a choice made based on my life at home. Yeah. Uh, and my mother and I decided that I couldn't live in that situation any longer without somebody getting seriously hurt yeah. and uh, physically. And so we made the decision. Well, first of all, I went and lived with you guys. Uh, right. I, I, la- I was kicked out of school. Um, in grade nine, I was kicked out of school. And my mom wanted me to finish school. And that's when I fell in love
0: with my <laughs> Uncle Leonard.
1: <laughs> so I ended up... And, and your dad was kind enough to allow me to come and live with you guys. For two months. For two months. while I finished off school there <laughs> and, uh, and I did. And then as a point of convenience, um, we went through the court system and my mom gave up my rights, my, mm-hmm. her parental rights. And I went into the welfare system and uh, was put on a farm, uh, rural area. And I ended up being on that farm for two years until I was 16 when I could legally be on my own.
0: No, I wasn't no you said you were there with uh, three other kids right
1: well actually there was there was three and then a, a fourth one but uh, yeah so there was basically four of us and then five of us that were were in the system yeah
0: now my question was I mean you came out of this pretty good you got later in life I mean you you were a butcher you you ran a very successful business there you got into the hockey world and into junior hockey and you were a very successful manager there um, you know you you're Everything you've touched has turned to gold. You've done well. Those other kids, though, did, did, did they fare well? Well,
1: n- yes and no. Uh, out, of the, out of the, there was a three siblings that I talked to you about earlier, uh, two brothers and a sister, and uh, the sister did okay. Yeah. The two brothers didn't. Yeah. Uh, when they left the system, they just went downhill, and uh, one is has de- is deceased now. And I don't know the total circumstances, but it wouldn't have been good. Yeah. And the other one is is a bit of a mess, but and the young lady is still she's okay. She's married and got kids, and and things are normal. Then there was a little one that came along that the family had adopted, and and she's still going strong, and then living uh, in in Rose Valley, Saskatchewan, on the farm, still. married, yeah, has her own That's kids. That's And, and uh, we got to reconnect here a few years ago, and. Um, and it's really good. She's a really good like, young lady. Well, she's not young anymore. She's not old, but she's not young anymore. But it turned out really well, too. It to what
0: work. was that like not being with you? And I know you, you, we kind of breezed over that point, but uh, the home was very violent. This guy was your stepfather. He was my grandfather. Right. Um, the home was very extremely violent, and so it was a safety issue. And And so your mom didn't give up rights because she didn't want you. No. She gave up rights to protect you.
1: Yes, um, it, it was a situation where my stepdad was a drunk. Yeah, uh, and and he, when he drank, he got violent, and and you know there was many times when you were dragged out of bed by your hair or slapped around or or whatever when he was drinking, and and he took that to me, and he also took it to my mother, and mm-hmm. it got so that, you know, when, from the time I was twelve till I was fourteen, roughly, I, I tried to step in between the, the two. two of them mm-hmm. as much as I could to protect my mother. And, you know, and so my, my bit of abuse got a little bit worse. Eh? So that was, that was a tough go. I, I also have a younger brother mm-hmm. who came along and all of a sudden he became the apple of my stepdad's eye. So right. that, that, so there was never an issue there, but it just seemed like I was the, the odd, the odd person out. So as it turned out, I told you the story about what happened. I mean, he mm-hmm. came home drunk one night, went after my mom, I got in between him and ended up having to put a choke on him and, and, uh. And I, if it hadn't been for my mom, I would have killed him. Yeah, like I, I was fairly angry, and uh, um, if she yeah, hadn't and stopped, he me, was short of breath. He was, <laughs> she, he was. You
0: had the death grip
1: on his throat. He was really short of breath. But mm-hmm. I looked at that and I realized, and, and and he was quite a bit older. Yeah. And I, it was funny because I did realize that he was just an old bully, right. is what he was. Yeah. And if he could get away with it, he would. Yeah. And I told him then in no uncertain terms that he wasn't to touch my mom anymore and he was to never touch me anymore. And and to my knowledge, he never did. Yeah. Um, but after that, my mom and I, the, the, the tension was there and that's when mom and I discussed the fact because he was not stable yeah. and you never know what would have happened. So that was when we discussed a different way of doing things. And no, I want
0: to just zip forward a little bit. And you're, yep. on, you're on the farm? And uh, well, on did the farm. you miss your mom?
1: Oh, yeah, 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 you always do. But, you know, it was it was a situation where it was reality. I had to finish school mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to finish it at home. And so, you know, and why did
0: you have to finish school?
1: Well, I didn't have to. <laughs> I but why did you I, I why did I, you think
0: you had to? Why did you want to?
1: Well, I don't know if I wanted to. I, I think the law said I had to at oh, that really? time. I think until you were 16, you you couldn't really leave school with the blessing of anybody. And, uh, so my purpose was to go there and get my education mm-hmm. and if it worked out, you know, whatever, go to school. As it turned out, it didn't work out. I, I wasn't happy in the situation and, uh, there was things that happened that, um, in the system that I wouldn't want to happen to a lot of other people. But as it turned out, when I turned 16, then I moved into the small community Rose Valley yep. and ended up working with my cousin who was in a meat shop. And, uh, you know, that was a big turning point in my life. And then all of a sudden working became a way more important to keeping me alive than because I was out of the system and I, I wasn't right. getting any support. It was a, it was an easier way for me to make a living by working than by going to school. Right. So I, I never did finish my grade 12. I, I tried a couple times. And so my full grade 11 and, and you know, and it's funny because you're writing an exam and you know that if you're only in there for an hour, which is the minimum you had to be in there, that you could be to work and get a couple extra hours of work in, you know. <laughs> work <laughs> and working part time I made 70 cents an hour and working full time I made about 10.
0: So that's <laughs> <laughs> so $2.20 if you get out of there yeah, early. <laughs> yeah.
1: So anyway, so yeah, so that uh you know, I ended up because of that, mind you, because of that. Yeah. And this is not something I'd mentioned before. Yeah. I met a family, the family that actually owned the business. Yeah. Uh their names were Ruth and Rusty Thompson. Mhm. And they sort of became my guiding light. They were strong Christian people, uh, very dedicated. And uh, it was interesting because uh, I was asked to write something at at Ruth's funeral. Mm -hmm. And I wrote about what type of people they were. And I I mentioned the fact, they said, they're the type of people that would be out for a walk in an evening along a path and they'd find a a little bird that had broken its wing and and couldn't do anything. So what they do is they take that bird home And they'd nurture it and they'd feed it and they'd heal its wing. And when it was ready, they'd let it go. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I said, I know that those people were like that because I was one of those little birds, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I was. I was, I had a broken wing and, and they looked after me and, and provided me with some guidance and provided me with an opportunity to get a, have a life as far as having a trade, which Mm -hmm. was in the meat business. And that turned out very well for me in the long run. so, yeah, so, uh. I wouldn't want people to go through my life, but uh, I probably wouldn't change it now. When you look back, it sort of made me what I am today.
0: And I'm going to talk about all of that in terms of what happened in the last year. Now, <clears throat> we've got to back up a little bit. How many years ago did you have your heart attack?
1: I had a heart attack in 2011. First of all, I'll just add one more thing. My wife died in 2009 right. from, from leukemia, and it was a really, really tough, really tough time. In 2011, uh, my daughter was pregnant and had uh, given birth to a little baby boy that was stressed and there were some issues with that. And that was on a Sunday night and and Monday morning and and Tuesday morning I had a massive heart attack. Mm -hmm. And I had, there was somebody there with me and, and it was able to give me CPR for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, thank you, Tracy (laughs) thank Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Tracy. Um, Yeah. She, she was able to keep me my heart beating or whatever I needed, so blood like I said, blood flowing to my brain, so I'm not any more stupid than I was before. <laughs> and uh, they took me to the 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 EMTs EMTs came and they had to use the paddles three times to get my heart going. Mm-hmm. And they took me to the hospital and they were going to fly me into a major center. And the guy in the plane says, "Why are you bringing him? He's not going to make it." And my doctor said, "Fortunately," he said, no, "I'll make that decision." And they took me in and um, yeah, I, I'm still here.
0: Now they called you the miracle. What did they call you the miracle?
1: Well, what they what what my cardiologist said <laughs> was I was probably one in ten thousand people that would ever survive that. Would ever survive that, and uh, so I was blessed to uh, to be able to be sur- to be here today. So, so that was eight. That was in, in two thousand eleven. So
0: two thousand eleven. Now last year, now you come down to Arizona. Yep. Uh, you're a, a biker. You and yep. I both have Harleys. We yep. like to ride our bikes. You ride your bike a lot more than I ride mine. But uh, just tell the story about last year. Well, well, I had seen you, I think, a couple of weeks before that. Yeah,
1: right? yeah. You guys were down at a at a show down there, and we we got together and mm-hmm. had a chance to breakfast to and, meet Jesse and 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 had a bite to eat and, and uh, anyway. <clears throat> so I was I was uh, had been there for a couple of weeks, and I was out to going out one evening to visit friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was supposed to meet him around eight o'clock and for supper and stuff. And I have a lady friend down there that was going to that was going to get a hold of me and stuff. And anyway, so I, I take my bike because that's all I have down there to ride. And typically I would go around the freeway and, you know, whip through there. And But I had lots of time, so I took a side street, and, which is side streets in Phoenix and area are not that quiet. But So I'm, I'm driving up what is known as 99th, and I come to a red light, and I stop, and light turns green, so I proceed through, and a, a vehicle hits me, turns into me... Uh, Vehicle coming. I'm going north. She's coming south. She turns into me and and um, pins my leg and um, throws me off my bike and and uh, I end up going into into a trauma unit and and they end up uh, coming and telling me they have to take my leg away mm-hmm. and um, they did. Um,
0: yeah. Now, I want to go back to that. And of course, Leonard Leonard's way of just glossing over everything. Uh, when the accident happened, you were oddly enough—you were conscious through the whole thing, correct? Right?
1: Yeah, I was. Uh, it, it, amazingly, and I guess it's the way your body and your mind react. There wasn't any pain. I was laying in the in the on the pavement, and a guy comes running over and says, "Mister, don't move. I think you're hurt pretty bad." Mm-hmm. And I said, "I must be because I don't feel anything." Mm-hmm. So the empty the the emergency crew comes, and you know I'm alert, and he's. Going at my clothes with the scissors and stuff, and I said, "Don't be cutting my letters, leathers, leathers off." Like, you know, just I, unbuckle I, I, them. Just unbuckle them. I'm good. Don't, don't cut my belt. Anyway, so um, they get me in the, they get me in the, uh, in the ambulance, and my phone rings. Yeah. So I answer, <laughs> and it's my friend, and she says, "Oh, where are you?" I said, "Well, I'm, I'm in an ambulance. I've been in a fairly bad accident, and they're taking me to this hospital." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so after that, it was a bit of a blur, but uh, I did I did remember that part.
0: Now you had your leg for a short period of time uh, before they told you they were going to take it, right? Yeah,
1: two days. Um, I was in the second day, and and the surgeon comes in to me, and and she says, uh, "We have a decision to make." I said, oh, "Okay." I was pretty groggy, but mm-hmm. and my, some of my friends were there. We have a decision to make. Your leg's in pretty tough shape, and um, you could have, you know, a surgery or you could have a few surgeries or you could have 10 surgeries and you may never, ever have use of that leg and foot again. She says, so um, I'm recommending that you have it taken off. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh.
0: Now, had you seen your leg at that point?
1: No. And I never did before. <coughs> so, anyway, Who took so, the
0: pictures? I know we have pictures. Yeah.
1: Um, the doctor, the doctor took the pictures. I asked for them after. but So what we did was, between my brother back home and and they checked out this doctor locally with our our people back home and this lady had a very, very good, very good reputation. Mm -hmm. She was one of the ones, Terry, that when she spoke, it was just constant. Monotone. It wasn't, there wasn't any high points. There wasn't any looking to the sky for words. She knows what she's doing and she checked out very good. So she come back in the next day and what was your decision? I said, well, if you think it has to go, it has to go. Mm -hmm. So they took it off. And I had four surgeries over, over eight days. Um, my leg and my pelvis was busted up and I've got a bunch of metal and stuff in there and a bunch of other things. And anyway, so pretty much for the next eight days, I was in surgery mm-hmm. and uh, ended up being in the hospital in, in, in Phoenix for 23 days. Mm-hmm. After so I the, came after your
0: surgeries to yeah, see you.
1: Yeah. And after the surgeries, I, I, the lady came in, the lady doctor and, and I asked if they had taken pictures and, she said yes, and I she I said could I see them? And she says not many people want to see them, mm-hmm. and I said well I do, you know just in my own mind. So she sent me the pictures, and yeah, that was it was a good decision that uh, that they Pretty gave graphic, it off. Yeah, yeah, I mean it was uh,
0: yeah very very badly. I mean, your foot was blown apart, your leg was blown apart. It was yeah. just yeah, it was pretty
1: very, bad. Very mutilated.
0: Yep. How did that make you feel when you saw the pictures?
1: Oh, I felt justified that I made the decision to take <laughs> it off. <laughs> like it was it was more a matter I wanted the reason I wanted to see the pictures was in my own mind mm-hmm. to, to know that I would made the right decision. Right. And when I looked at that, I said, yeah, there's no question that no matter what happens in the future, I'm going to be better off than I would have, if I would have tried to keep that. Yeah. You know,
0: and. Do you, do you have any remorse about that decision? No, none whatsoever. None. Do you have any remorse about the accident? Do you wish it never happened? Do you, do you go play it back in your mind? You Does know it what? torment you?
1: No. Do I wish it never happened? Of course. Of course, yeah. Of course you do. But as far as, what's the old saying? Shit happens. And accidents happen. That's why they're called accidents. And there wasn't anything that I could have done. Like I did not honestly see the vehicle. Like maybe my mind is blanked that out. But the first thing I realized was that things went black Mm -hmm. and I ended up on the pavement. That, there was no pain, no nothing. Like, do I wish something was different? Of course. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd rather have my leg back, but I don't. So now I have to make do with it.
0: So what do you tell yourself about the leg? Do you, do you oh about my I, leg? I guess I guess what I'm asking is, uh, I thought you were saying I do. I tell myself I'm beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got people all around you telling yeah. you that, <laughs> <laughs> Leonard. <laughs> You're a good-looking guy here. <laughs> anyway, but uh, I mean, I you know we we just you know Ann and I just did a podcast about the um, you know our. Our girls going and of course the first thing I go back and go well what would I do different and and like that and and uh, I've let go of that now and and now we're just moving forward but it seems like with you it was just like no you're not gonna go back and look back you just went forward is did you go back and think about like do you ponder what if and and get sad and you can't I I mean I can't talk
1: about that that's not Why? me that's not me I have to I'm a positive person I I try to be upbeat all the time I try to be I'm always one that I love talking to people. I love I love sharing experiences and stuff. I can't change. If if I'm going to be the other person that mopes and worries about what happened, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to have a very sad life and I don't want that. I, I want every every day to be exciting. I want every day to move ahead. Just now that I'm moving ahead with a, different leg. That's all. It's,
0: it's actually pretty. <laughs> you but got a cool leg. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to snap a photo of it for the thumbnail everybody's going to see this leg, but it's actually pretty cool.
1: So. Yeah. It's uh, it, you know, and it's, it's uh, I have, I have friends who have been old that are my age that mm-hmm. have been old for 20 years. I don't think I'm old. Right. I don't want to be the one to sit back and moan and complain about what's happened to me and, and, and how my life could have been so much better my life is good. I, I want to make it better. I want to, as you say, I want to make an impact on people. I want to be able to share and and, and help people like I have through my life. Yeah. And if that has, means going forward with a half a leg, like the problem with this leg is okay. When I take the prosthetic off and I try yeah. to walk, yeah, I fall over every time. Right. Like it just bangs <laughs> off to the left. You can you can bet on that yeah, one. Yeah. So so I mean so so my point is, I, I I'm going to be with this prosthetic for a long time. Right. And it makes my life better than what it could be. Right. You know, so I'm happy with that.
0: Okay. I like that attitude. And that's the thing, uh, you you said something there about helping others. And, um, you know, with my life experiences, whatever they've been, uh, that's a whole other thing. But um, I've found that dwelling on those things, uh, whatever was done to you or whatever happened to you, that thing can rule you for the rest of your life or you can just accept it and move on. And my thing has always been, uh, and you said the same thing to me earlier about when we were talking before we started recording, Um, you know, it's just taking those experiences and they made you what you are. And now when you can go and other people that are going through those things and they're having a hard time with it, you know, you can pass that on and help them and you can just help other people. And in helping other people, it gives purpose to what, what has happened. Do you agree with that? or?
1: I do. I, I do. And I, I'm sure that there's, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sure that there's people out there that think I'm absolutely a wacko. Like, <laughs> you know, somebody said to me the other day, well, why would you go back to Phoenix? Why would you go back south? Why would you get it?" Well, well, this is the part of the story. Why would enjoyed. you buy another
0: motorcycle? Yeah. What you did is right away, you bought another motorcycle. You bought a trike. Uh, yeah. It's it's parked in my garage right now on, on the trailer. And you as soon as you're ready, as soon as you're physically able, you're down here to spend another winter riding your bike around in, in Phoenix. Well, so. I,
1: I told people, I said, look at uh, the, there's there's a couple of things. One, winter is hard. Like mm-hmm. winter's hard. Like for me, with my mobility reduced, it, it makes it even that much harder, slippery, icy, blah blah blah. I said, as much as I love Canada and I love I I, I I enjoy the cold. Mm-hmm. I mean I love sledding and all that stuff. I really got attached to the warm, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I said. And then, thirdly, I want to go down there. And maybe I can find my leg, <laughs> <laughs> the leg you lost. Yeah, I said <laughs> if I've lost it, maybe I can find it somewhere. And people think I'm absolutely a wacko comedian it. all day long. Whatever, right? but no. But you know, the the thing is, is, is for me to go down there and, and try to try to have my life as as mm-hmm. uh, as much normal as possible. And and I know that that is not going
0: to be hundred percent all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. but you know what? It's a lot better than the alternative of sitting around and moping and dragging your butt around feeling sorry for yourself. Right.
0: I've got to ask you the first time now you bought the bike, uh, you bought that bike, what, a couple months ago? Yep. And uh, you've been on it and you've ridden it, yep. obviously. What was that first ride like? The first day you got on, fired it up. Uh,
1: well, it was awesome. Like, it was just, <laughs> it, was, it was so great. So, so picture this, it's my left leg. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's your shifting leg. Right. So I can't shift. Yeah. Okay. I can shift with my heel shifter, and I can shift from one through six. But that I can't get from six to can't one go back down. <laughs> so I had to hook up a rope to the back peg, and so then I would shift and pull up. Okay. Anybody and, from
0: Saskatchewan would get this. <laughs> yeah.
1: So then I would I would I would use this little rope, and I would pull up and shift down. You know, which is, I have a friend that's a neighbor uh, that's a member of the Royal Canadian Mount Police. Yeah. And uh, he didn't think that was a good idea. <laughs> he um, took a dim view. Yeah, he thought that. Of would, your improvisation. Yeah, it might be dangerous driving or distracted <laughs> driving or whatever you call it. But anyway, so what I went out and did was I went out and got a, um, there's a company called Pingle here in the US and mm-hmm. they have race bikes actually and they have electric shifters, electronic shifters and I happen to put one of those on, so it's all good. It now. looks
0: pretty slick. I haven't seen it work. And it is it a trike, really by slick. the
1: way. We should have should have mentioned it. Yeah, it I is. think I said it was a trike. Oh yeah. did you? Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's good. And and actually the first the first ride the first ride with the, the shifter was yeah. was pretty incredible. Like first of all you're getting used to the trike before, but then you get on and you know that you can handle the trike, then you find out that Man, oh man, can you ever shift with this thing? Like you can just hold it wide open and just use your thumb and pump through the. Oh, really? It's just like this is for drag
0: bikes, yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, it's just unbelievable. So I'm um, back to the world of crazy again.
0: <laughs> well, you're in Vegas for a couple of days, we're gonna hang out and have some fun, Yep. And then you're off to Phoenix and uh, in a winter of uh, yep, I'll get a few
1: months in and then I'll head home for Christmas and, and then back again after. And and uh, yeah, it's you know what, it's it's all good. It's uh, it's an enjoyable time. Um, it's good for my body. It's definitely good for my body, and it's really good for my mind.
0: Well, Leonard, you're an inspiration. I I, I remember seeing you in the hospital and thinking, man, this is this is going to be hard. And and I think we always think, you know, when you get up there in your sixties, you're almost seventy. You know, you think, oh, that'll be it. You know, he'll never ride a bike again. You know, and and I was, it did my heart good to. To see you buy your bike. I saw when you bought your bike and, and see you down here just doing it. And I mean, you look great. You look great. You're healthy. You're getting around. You, you look better. You lost a little bit of weight. You know, you look I was great. a fat
1: guy before.
0: <laughs> now I'm just a smaller fat guy. Now you're just portly. Yeah.
1: But you know what? Yeah. No, it's, it's it, if I look at where I was and to where I am today, I'm really happy with it, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and again, um, like, People have thought that my my progress was maybe a little quicker than what what a lot of people might do. But for me, I'm driven to be, to get back to as close to normal as possible. And... uh, Whatever I had to do to do that, I was willing to. Leonard's be. normal. Yeah, Leonard, yeah, yeah. Let's let's clarify <laughs> it's that. It's... Loosely using that word normal. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's exactly right. <laughs> Listen, I can't help but think that it's just part of being from Saskatchewan. You know, I think I think of what you've been through, I think what I've been through, and I know lots of others like us from there. It's just yeah. a tough country with tough people, and I'm very very proud of being from there, and very very proud of, like you, all the things that I've been through because they put me where I am. And I'm not afraid to try anything. And I know you're not afraid to try anything. No.
1: Although my insurance policy now, like my health insurance policy (laughs) says no skydiving or racing. So I don't know.
0: (laughs) Uh, Define racing, right? Yeah. Well, I think that meant if there's sanctioned races, I think the, the other stuff should be okay. The other stuff should be okay. Well, Liz and Leonard, it's always a pleasure. God bless. Uh, I'm really, really proud of you. You're a great inspiration to me and hopefully to many, many others. And thanks for your time and coming on the
1: show. You know what, Terry, um, you talk about inspirations and I see what you and Anna are doing here and and with your business and, and with Jesse. And, and then I, I never got to see the girls, but you know, that's that's something too. And, and uh, uh, you know, I had a chance yesterday to be around Jesse and and his birth mom and and you guys all together and and Elaine was there and it was pretty special. Um, people would never understand the relationship that you guys have and it's it's you know, so you you're in there with your wife and your ex-wife and <laughs> the mother of your son. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like that in itself is a is a dynamic that people just have no idea about. But I'll tell you what people it's unbelievable and And everybody should just
0: cherish it. But it's a beautiful thing. It is so. Thank you, man. God bless everybody. Thank you again, Leonard. It's always a hoot. We're going to go have some fun, you and I. And uh, thanks for listening to Good Light Unscripted, the podcast. We'll be back in a couple days with another episode.